Till I'm Tiptoed You Dot com The podcast about pop culture Black history and spirituality Yeah It's about to be a great vibe Dr. Tip Gonna take it away Till I'm Tiptoed You joining me for another edition of Tell Em To Told You, the podcast where I share all my musings of black history, black culture, and black spirituality. <clears throat> Excuse me. So my sinuses are doing the change of seasons thing. So please excuse the hoarseness of my voice today. I'm going to try to keep uh, the noises down to a minimum, but you know, the body does what the body does. Um, there are a few things I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the Crumbly case, Ethan Crumbly, the 15-year-old who shot up a Michigan school. I want to speak a little bit about um, accountability and black love. And I want to remind you that what you resist persists. So let's just jump right in. So you know, if you've been watching the news, um, if you've been listening to folk about gun violence, then you know what happened in Michigan, where 15-year-old Ethan Crumley shot uh, seven students, killed four, after teachers alerted administration about possible impending violence. I, listen, y'all, all of us have all kind of um, thoughts about this case. It elicits a lot of uh, frustration, anger, disappointment, fear, so on and so forth. I'm not going to pretend because I don't believe that my feelings are more valid than anyone else's, but I do want to offer you a perspective that may be unique to how you're thinking about the case. Um, All of us are rightly um, upset with how easily guns can be obtained by certain populations and all of us I think are rightfully upset with the parents about what's going on but there are a couple of elements of the case that I want to draw our attention to that you may not be thinking of first I want to say that this is what happens when the teaching force is continually deprofessionalized and our professional knowledge is questioned now follow me for a bit Teachers are credentialed, trained, professional educators who are required um, to take part in ongoing professional development to maintain credentialing. Okay? I want you to think about that because I think we think that teachers just come in off the street and if you can talk to a group, you can teach a student. No. Teachers, in most cases... Because of the shortage, we have some, yeah, uh. But for the most part, teachers are credentialed, trained professionals who have to undergo ongoing professional development. In this case, the Ethan Crumley shooting in Michigan, we had teachers doing what they are morally prepared to do. We also have teachers doing what they are professionally obligated to do, and that is to report threats of impending violence. In the first situation, a teacher saw Ethan Crumbly 
scrolling the internet and searching for ammunition to purchase. The teacher did exactly what we're trained to do as mandated reporters and reported the incident to building level administration. Okay? What was done? The school reached out to talk to the parents. They couldn't reach the parents. But we know they reached out because the school says they reached out and the mother then texts Ethan, it's okay, I'm not mad at you, just don't get caught next time. Now, if the first teacher, I'm not going to go there yet. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing is you have another teacher who then sees a drawing that Ethan Crumley is making of a violent scene where a student has been shot, um, wishing blood on, death and blood on on people, and um, it actually says, help me. So they see this violent imagery, and what do they do? They are morally obligated, professionally obligated to report it. They do what they're professionally required to do. Now, here's, y'all, at the same time we're witnessing certain kinds of parents trying to take history out of school, dog whistling critical race theory, and they don't even really know what that means, um, threatening like Iowa's teacher loyalty laws. What we're seeing is the deprofessionalization of a professional workforce. This should upset everybody who cares about labor rights in this country. Not only are teachers the, some of the least paid, least compensated, professional credentialed workforce, now people aren't even trusting our professional knowledge to do what's right with our students and to create safe learning environments. Ask any teacher about the in-task standards. Ask any teacher about how they're evaluated. One of the main criteria used to evaluate educators is our ability to create a safe learning environment. So we have teachers doing what they were supposed to do, being ignored because of bureaucracy. I, 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 don't, I don't really have too much more to say about that, but I want you to pay attention to a thread that is happening. Now, my students will tell you for the last five or six years, I have said every year that we will see the death of public education in our lifetimes. And I still believe that. If something doesn't drastically change, your grandchildren won't have access to public schools. And if they do, they most certainly will not have a well-qualified workforce because people continue to discount our authority and our professional knowledge. These were two teachers that could have stopped this from happening. So while we are rightfully frustrated with the parents, let's also be equally frustrated with the district. Because I, and let me put this on top of that. I can't imagine a black male student doing the same things Ethan Crumbly got sent to the office for, having an option on whether or not they stay at school. I don't ever think that would happen. I put my money on that. I don't think that would ever happen. How do you have a choice? How do you recommend that the parents take the child home and you don't make them take the child home? What does that, y'all, please, somebody who else who's in education tell me, like, 
lay people might not know how abnormal that is. I need for us to say how abnormal that. What do you mean? Just Google it. There are images all over the Internet of black children in elementary, as young as elementary school being handcuffed. This boy had the gun in his bag and you gave the parents the option of taking him home or removing him from y'all. Come on. Where does that happen? Where does that happen? Okay. All right. I want to, I want to bring up the other point that you may not be thinking of the way I'm thinking of in this case, they said the parents went to an ATM and drew out $4,000. Now y'all tell me, Maybe it's just not written clearly, or maybe it's a problem with my comprehension, but it sounded like they were talking about one ATM. How did, I don't even understand how a series of ATMs, you can pull $4,000 out. I don't understand how that happens. I don't understand how that happens. Let me give you another point that I'm thinking about with this case. The parents were ready. Uh, police, according to an ABC News report, the police suspect that the parents were going to try to get to Canada to, you know, to escape culpability in this case. Um, there's a general lack of accountability that these parents of white, violent terrorists have to undergo. They, they don't have to be accountable. They, they think they can wash their hands and walk away from the mess they make. They made this mess. And they were going to sacrifice the child for their own freedom, for their own privilege. Now, I want you to think more broadly about critical race theory and the attacks on so-called critical race theory in U.S. schools. There are parents willing to sacrifice their students for their own privilege. I'm going to say that again. There are families willing to sacrifice their children for their own privilege. Just that, you know, trying to remove books from schools is you don't want your children to learn to think deeply and critically. You're trying to sacrifice your children to prevent the loss of white privilege. So that's how I'm thinking about the case. I'm also thinking about this man. So, okay, you know, they got found, they, they were found in a warehouse. And the man who owns the warehouse <laughs> is saying, yeah, I gave him the keys to get into the warehouse. I knew what had happened, but I didn't know they got charged. Did you, did you hear what I said? This man says, uh, I knew what had happened. I gave them the keys to my, I didn't know they had been charged. I didn't know that they were being charged with the shooting. What did you think? See, this also ties back to how I'm believing this $4,000 was how many of us can go, even those of us who, uh, most of us are living paycheck to paycheck. I don't know why we flock like flodge like we we're not on social media but most of us are living paycheck to paycheck at least half a paycheck right um how you get four thousand dollars just to pull out except that maybe your community supports you or that there are people in your community that support you 
I'm just going to leave that there. That's just how my mind works. But I do want you to know that, you know, this man who, 65-year-old Detroit artist, um, who gave the couple the keys to the um, the warehouse, are now saying that, you know, I didn't know they were being charged. I just knew what had happened. If you knew what had happened, why did you think they needed the keys? Like, follow this all the way. It don't make no sense. These people, anyway, they're they not ever really bright. They're clever, but they're not really bright. What you thought they needed the keys? Anyway. All right, so that's all I wanted to say about the Crumley case. I just wanted to give you my ideas about the case and some things I think we need to pay attention to. The deprofessionalization of uh, U.S. public school teachers. Um, <laughs> the double standard in discipline in U.S. public schools. And community support. We talked about mutual aid last week. Don't you think, don't y'all ever think mutual aid ain't happening on the other side, okay? All right. Um, I want to talk a little bit about accountability. These parents are an example of trying to run away from a mess you create. And there are a lot of us who do this. I'm seeing it happen more and more with young people, that they're not being given the opportunity to learn from their mistakes because we're rescuing them. And because we're rescuing them from their mistakes, they never learn accountability. People are accountable for their choices. Now, I'm not saying never forgive, never try try to restore. I'm not saying that, but I am saying there have to be consequences for our decisions and actions. That's really all I want to say about that. Because if I go too far into that, I'm going to tell y'all my personal business that's going on right now. But I want to separate myself from it a little bit before I tell you. Because let me tell y'all something. The lack of accountability that some of our students have is going to run me away from a job I truly love. (laughs) Okay? Teach your children some accountability. All right? It's not my fault if you ain't been going to class all semester that you flunked. That's not my fault. And now you want to hold me accountable because you, anyway, like I said, let me breathe a bit, take it down a thousand. Special prayers again go out to every educator. This is the hardest time of the academic year for us. The end of a semester, especially those of us in higher ed where they think they've grown, honey, boo-boo, love a teacher today, okay? Because we need it. <laughs> we need it. I also want to talk about this master class foolishness. Okay. Um, you may not have seen it because you may not be on nerd, black nerd TikTok the way I am, black academia t- uh, Twitter the way I am. Um, so you may not have seen it. But you, y'all know that masterclass uh, website thing where you can take professional classes like professional development classes, courses, online stuff from these famous experts, right? In fact, I was going to, they had a masterclass. I think Steph Curry was. Sh- teaching shooting or something. I was going to get it from my nephew, but ended up realizing it was a waste of money. But anyway, um, they actually have some pretty interesting looking classes, but one came across my timeline this weekend and I was like, what in the hell? Y'all, so Kimberly, Kimberly Crenshaw, uh, Cornell West, um, Nicole Hannah-Jones, um, I'm drawing blanks. Those are the three names that I can readily come to. I can't pull the other names out of the top of my head right now. I should have written them down. But Masterclass is boasting this new class of these quote-unquote black scholars 
Um, and they're going to teach us all about how black love should have us um, believing in American democracy again. I really could stop right there because I hope that you see the foolishness in that as easily as most of us do. Listen, let me tell y'all something. I believe in black love. I believe that black love is redemptive. I believe that black love is sacred. I believe that black love is protective. I think that black love is soul feeding. I think that black love belongs to black folk. Do you understand what I'm saying? It ain't for love should never be given to someone who doesn't value it. I don't care what nobody say. I know how Christianity is fed to us. I don't believe that shit. I don't believe. Let let me, let me, okay. Here's the thing with how Christianity tends to be practiced in our communities. I remember one time asking the pastor's wife a very hard question. I asked her why angels made visitations in the Old Testament, but we don't get visitations now, or or at least we're told that visitations don't occur. I do think they occur, but we're kind of told that that's not real, right? Her response was that we don't question God. In other words, don't think too deeply about these things. That's a sin to think too deeply into question God. I ain't never seen that in scripture, but a lot of black folks say that. Don't question God. You're supposed to love everybody. So we take these scriptures on a very superficial level and we never dig into what is the real meaning behind this? What's the historical context of this thing? So on and so forth. And so, yeah, I wanted to, I want, I want you to, I, I ain't trying to preach. Y'all know that ain't my thing. I consider myself Christian plus, but I do know a little something about the Bible. Okay. I want to draw your attention to where it says you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, y'all know I like words. The basic premise of loving your neighbor as you love yourself is that you what? You love yourself. You can't love somebody else if you don't love yourself. That's the basic premise of that scripture, right? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You got to love yourself in order to love your neighbor like that. Otherwise, if I hate myself, I'm going to hate my neighbor like that. Black love is primarily and foundationally and inherently for black folk. I don't understand how you got a whole masterclass trying to convince us that it ain't. I don't have time right now to love American democracy because American democracy ain't loved me since it's been. Listen, we ain't never had democracy in the first place, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I don't have to. My job right now, particularly given what's going on economically, socially, politically, spiritually in this country, our job is to love ourselves as thoroughly as possible. American democracy is a myth and an illusion right now anyway. But you're going to have a whole master class teaching Y'all, so I wanted to introduce to to some of you the idea of neoliberal, excuse me, neoliberalism. Now, a lot of us are familiar with the term, so I'm not, I'm not talking to those of you who know, but for, if you're not familiar with the term or you've heard it used and you don't really understand what it means, it's the idea that economics is undergirding all this stuff, 
That's the easy way to boil it down. That even the most liberal of arguments is based upon how does this benefit a thing, a person, economically. This is a neoliberal agenda to teach a master class on how to love American democracy into existence. What did Stokely Carmichael tell us about dealing with this beast? What did King say when asked, my fear is that we've integrated our people into a burnt? Yeah. <laughs> I saw somebody on um, Twitter. I wish I could remember who it was. If I can find it, I'll put it on my Instagram page. Talked about um, how far Negro black, uh, ne excuse me, Negro intellectual thought has gone that they, they think this is normal. Now I'm saying, no, 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 no. These are people who pretend to be in that tradition of the Negro intellectual. They're not. As childish as I think the bitter battles were between Du Bois and Garvey, one thing no one could ever question about either one of them was whether or not they loved black people. Whether or not they put the well-being of black people at the top of their list of priorities. Nobody could ever question that. You might fall on different sides of the argument. Like Du Bois had some real asinine stuff to say about Garvey that was colorist. But I would never question Du Bois' commitment to black folk. I would never question Garvey's commitment to black folk. Hell, as much as I think the, um, Booker T was a sellout, as much as I think he was an accommodationist, right? I don't, I don't doubt that he thought he was doing what he, what was good for us. I, I just don't, I, you know, I think, he, I think he made a whole lot of mistakes. I think he was more clever than some of us give him credit for, but I think he made some missteps and some errors in judgment, but I think it came out of his love for his people. But when I look at this master class, I'm like, where is the love for the people? You telling people to love American democracy? You better be telling them to learn about other ways of organizing economically other than capitalism, other than believing in the myth of democracy. You better be talking about some <laughs> interviewing some expats about how to listen. We got to hold people and things accountable. American democracy does not deserve our love. It deserves our critique. I can't love something that is non-existent. And unless that's the premise of this platform, and I, I, I listen to the ad, I don't think that's their premise. I want us to um, become more deeper thinkers and look for the connections and contradictions between ideas. I think, and I'm surprised, uh, the person I'm surprised the most about is Kimberly Crenshaw. I'm not surprised by the other folk that were listed. Um, they read as capitalists to me. Their ideas are capitalist to me. I, listen, I ain't got the hype about the 1619 Project. Y'all gonna have to help me understand the hype. I don't understand that hype. Because for those of us in black studies circles in particular, that shit is old news. That's like a, a eighth grade report on some stuff that's been known for. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. And let me not also talk about how Howard was all of a sudden good enough when the other police didn't want. Anyway. Okay. I just want y'all to pay attention to what's going on. 
I want us to hold institutions and ideas and people accountable for their behavior. I want us to respect teachers because they are the ones that help us make these connections. I also want us to be working on, here's a carryover from last week, some mutual aid projects, okay? Especially those that center around supporting teachers and learners. That's really all I wanted to talk about today. I know it was all over the place, y'all, but uh, again, it's the end of the semester. Love on an educator, particularly those of us who are in higher ed, who are wrapping up grades and dealing with people that think they grow. <laughs> y'all have a beautiful rest of the day. Tell them to